right, welcome along to the RT Soccer Podcast. I'm Raf Giallo and joined by Connor Neville this week. We've just been interviewing Jack Byrne a little bit earlier on, uh, just about his time with APOL, returning to Shamrock Rovers for next season and discussing um, Ireland, especially watching it from afar because with injuries and other issues, he wasn't able to uh, take part in the squads in 2021. But uh, before we get to that, Connor, um, I believe, and I was told and actually reminded by you that uh, there's a very important draw date for the Republic of Ireland national team now coming up this week, uh, which is the UEFA Nations League, which had kind yes, of slipped my just, mind. We've been promised a first place in the UEFA Nations League, as you're aware. Um, league B, we're in again. It's very hard to get relegated from the UEFA Nations League. The first time we were relegated and they changed the uh, the structure to make yes, sure yes. we stayed in the second tier. And then in, in 2020, a sort of Famously difficult uh, Nations League uh, campaign where we we scored one goal. Shane Duffy won that goal of the season, uh, or goal of the year, in fact. Uh, we managed to come in ahead of Bulgaria somehow. So we're uh, we're still in League B while Bulgaria descend to League C. Um, just a word on the structure of the draw tomorrow. Um, we when we discussed this before, we noted that so many of the teams seem to be much of a muchness. Um, there are differences within them. Um, Ireland are in League B and we're in pot three. So we're in pot three alongside Israel, Romania and Serbia. So we can't draw any of those three. Um, pot one consists of Ukraine, Sweden, Bosnia and Herzegovina and Iceland. Yeah. Pot two yeah. is Finland, Norway, Scotland on the crest of a wave at the moment and Russia. Uh, pot four is Slovenia, Montenegro, Albania and Armenia. So they're the four pots. Also worth noting, Ukraine and Russia can't draw each other because of um, various geopolitical uh, shenanigans. I don't, I don't know how long ago they started this. Clearly it didn't apply in USA 94, otherwise we might have got Northern Ireland. But uh, certainly uh, that, that, that hasn't been let happen at this time. So um, that's, uh, it's an, anything sticking out to you, Raph? Any, any draws you like? Any, who's your, who do you really want? They're all quite evenly balanced. So just looking at it here in front of me, Iceland are not in a good place at the moment, just in terms of their golden generate. Well, obviously they they had a very memorable Euro 2016 and then they went to 2018. You can say golden uh, generation. Yeah, golden, well, relative relative to what had come before, they had a- if England, could, if England could say it for Gerard Lampard, Iceland can surely say it. Yeah, but uh, they're not in a good place at the moment. There are matters on and off the field that have been a bit of an issue there. Um, Scotland are on the way up, so I wouldn't exactly be, unless it's unless we're drawing them in a major tournament, because they tend to struggle whenever it actually comes to an actual major tournament. Um, but they're actually, they, they seem to be in a good place right now. And then, like, so maybe it would be the likes of Finland, possibly, that you're kind of looking them at again. There. Do we want them again? Pot two is, there's a lot of tough They're, teams. It's, tr it's the trickiest, yeah. And especially Norway, um, while they didn't qualify for the World Cup. Yeah. Um, any I, of them. Maybe Scotland are the best team there, are they? Scotland, Scotland, well, Scotland, yeah, because they are. Um, they're in a playoff for the for the World Cup. Uh, Norway are, obviously have some very, very good players and are potentially, I think, in the next uh, in the next few years, they should be qualifying for tournaments. So and Russia are Russia are actually decent as well. So there's a bit of a I think there's a bit of a there's a bit of risk in that particular pot. I would say Finland out of the four I think might be the one that you're kind of looking at. Especially there might be revenge on the mind after a couple of uh, matches we played against them recently in the last Nations League. And then of course we're in pot three, so no Israel, no Romania, no Serbia for us. 
And uh, pot four, again, it's much of a muchness. Uh, Slovenia are decent. You could say the same at Montenegro. They fought back from 2-0 uh, down against the Netherlands uh, in the last uh, window of the World Cup qualifiers. Albania, again, they were playing England in their qualifying group. And then Armenia, like, we haven't faced them for quite a while. And I'm... <laughs> Maybe they might be the ones we uh, that might be might be the handiest for us. But again, I think the way the Nations League is structured, it is very uh, it is very balanced. So there there's very little between the sides that you're facing in the in each particular and uh, in each particular league. The first thing to note, of course, is that the team with the lowest number of points in the recent World Cup qualify qualification campaign is from all the League B teams. Who would you guess? Well, ourselves probably, is it? Yes, it is. It's yes. the Republic of Ireland. Albeit, we should add the caveat in here that we were in a five-team group. So that's worth noting. And, you know, um, so the team we missed was obviously a sixth seed, unless, you know, you could count, count Oman and, or, or Qatar in that. I'd say Oman out of uh, force of habit there. But this might not be a safe assumption, but uh, we, we can assume we might have got six points against the sixth team, or at least four points. So that would have carried us above uh, Armenia and Montenegro's tally. So at least we should be able to take one of them based on form. Although you're telling me Montenegro are, are flying at the moment, so I'll take that. Oh, I, didn't, I didn't quite say that. I just said they had, flying. Yeah, they had a particularly good result uh, at home to uh, Netherlands at the, uh, when Netherlands thought they were about to qualify. So, uh, But again, as I said, it's very, it's very evenly balanced and who knows where all these teams are going to be at in terms of their level when it comes to, when it comes to June time. Uh, when that's the first window of it, then September, because obviously the World Cup is taking place in the winter, or this time next year, essentially next year. So the uh, the international windows are open in June and September. But from an Irish point of view, of course, this is incredibly important for Stephen Kenny because there has been some momentum built from the end of the World Cup qualifiers. Yeah. And then the plan is obviously to carry that into the March window and then, of course, June. So we want, we want basically Armenia, Scotland and Iceland. Is that who we're looking for? Or we're not sure about pot B, of course. It's, it's pot, pot two, it looks very difficult. But yeah, that, 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 yeah well, as, as I said, Scotland outside of major tournaments are actually... Well, we've, been are. Promised first, we've been promised first place at any rate. I suppose the immediate concern is that the draw goes off, off without hitch and that there's no software. Uh, yes, because of course you're referencing the Champions League draw that happened... Uh, at the start of this week on Monday, which uh, didn't quite go as planned, and of course they had to. Uh, let's hope the external. Let's hope the external software providers are up to scratch this time. Indeed, but anyway, I think that brings us to a close now. And of course, we can't leave the, the Jack Byrne interview waiting. So, um, as I said, we were discussing uh, his time in Applewell with Jack, and also returning to Shamrock Rovers. But the first thing I asked him with 2022 in mind was where he's at in terms of fitness and training level at the moment. Yeah, all looking good. I've um, I've just been keeping myself ticking over, and and I think we're we're starting back pre-season on the on the twentieth. Um, we'll be back in training. We'll just go into the gym beforehand and just do some fitness work and, and weights, and just kind of getting the legs going again before we start back back out into the pitch. I think on the seventh of January. So um, yeah, look, I've just been keeping myself ticking over as best I can, and I feel good. I feel in good shape, and um, we're just looking forward to it now. Looking forward to it all getting started again. Good stuff. Uh, it's been a surreal enough year, I suppose. Well, for everybody, given what's happening in the world at the moment, for yourself, obviously going abroad to Cyprus at the start of January and then how everything kind of played out there. Um, I suppose before you made the move, um, 
of course, Mick and Terry Connor were the ones that you would have known best. But um, were you, did you have much contact with the club itself separate to them when you were kind of doing the negotiations in terms of them giving you an idea what to expect and uh, what the expectations were for you? Yeah, I, I kind of um, I spoke to the club over there. And to be fair, they were, they were great. Like, you know, they, they obviously they put together a good, you know, financial package and then um, obviously Mick and Terry were there. So, you know, I was speaking to Mick um, for a long time before, probably from around November. So it was kind of in the works um, probably a month or two um, even before they went over there, you know. And I was obviously speaking to the club and they were actually really good to deal with. At that time, they were, um, you know, they, were, they seemed very professional. Obviously a big club, like, you know, they played in the Champions League um, quarterfinals not so long ago. So obviously a big club and it was just something different that that kind of got me excited, you know. And, and, and obviously... Mick and, and Terry had taken a, a big chance for me the season before and, and giving me my international debut. And, you know, they were obviously really good with me. And, and I knew going over there, if we could do well under them and if they were going to stay there, then, you know, the opportunities that I might have brought off the back of that um, would have been would have been good. But unfortunately, they just didn't stay long enough. And um, and, and that's just the way it panned out. But I don't regret it. Like, I, I, I did enjoy it, you know. It was... It was, it was Difficult at times, and it was it was hard. But you know, we didn't we didn't regret doing it. One minute, you know, I, I, I loved me time when I went abroad to Holland. I, I liked Cyprus. I can't say I didn't like. It. I liked living over there. I liked the lifestyle. Um, was over there with my girlfriend. We had a good time. You know what I mean? It was just the football just didn't work out the way that I thought it was going to, and the way I would have liked it. But you know, COVID comes into it, and and um. And clubs are obviously struggling financially and, and, you know, I get that. And, you know, I've obviously heard some stories before I went over about, you know, certain clubs over there, they do. But it was always Applewell that were, were always the, the top club and always, you know, kind of fulfilling their contracts. But it just, I think the European stuff and the COVID hit them hard. And, but I don't regret it, you know, I, I enjoyed it. And, you know, obviously came to an agreement in the end. And I think everyone was happy to just call it a day there. What was the most uh, difficult part of adjusting to life over there? Or, or was it perfectly easy for you? It wasn't difficult at all. I, I, I enjoyed it, you know. It, it wasn't as if I was um I was I, I was trying to leave or I was trying to I was trying to leave the club. At the end of the day, I only played four games for the club, so I would have liked to to give it a, a proper go. Um I think they would have liked like me to stay and give it a proper go, but the way that the just the, the finances and everything that was going with it at that stage didn't really allow me to to do that. You know, I think we had to come to a mutual agreement that um, that was going to have to leave, you know. And um, we obviously couldn't do that in the summer. Um, so it obviously went on a little bit longer than I would have liked. Um, you know, I didn't plan on being in this situation where I couldn't play until January, you know. But I think they were kind of hoping that maybe I would have stayed and... and um, and just kind of put up with what was going on, but I wasn't. I was never going to do that, you know. It's not um, the English way or the Irish way where you can kind of do that to players and you can treat players in a certain way. So I didn't really agree with it. So kind of had to move, but it was um, it was fine. Like you know, I, I enjoyed it over there. The club were great up until up until a, a certain point, and then um, but we didn't have a big barney or anything. It wasn't as if you know we we left on really bad terms or anything like that. So. I wish the club well and I hope they can get back to the club that they uh, they once were, you know. It was a terribly disrupted yeah. season that year in, in Cyprus. Did it, they, they had to abandon it, I believe. Yeah, they 
So the season, the the couple of months before I went there, you know, and that that was where Mick um, and Terry kind of, you know, they had a difficult uh, a difficult job at that time because in November I think or November December, I think they um, they got COVID and they were off for two or three weeks uh, the whole team, and then when they came back, they had to I think they had to play like eight games with. Like I think they only trained for a week after having so long off, and they had a, like it was like a little break in the season, and they had like three games in a the week. Then when they came back and half a squad, and you know not many players available, and then obviously you know they went on a bit of a bad a bad run before they just went over there, and, and and then the club obviously made the decision to sack Mick off the back of that. Um, but look, I think Mick got I think it was twelve games or something. I think I played probably four games, and it's just the way it is over there. You know, it's just. Uh, they, they want results and, and you know, um, that, that was just the way it is. I don't think they probably could have judged me off the four games I played. So, you know, people looking from the outside, they're not going to judge someone on four games. So, I think um, I think the stuff that was going on with the club was, was, was more, you know, based on what was actually happening with COVID and stuff in the world at that stage. So, it was just all a bit, a bit, bit all over the place and probably just the wrong time for, for a move like that. And how did you find find out about what happened with Mick in terms of them making that decision? Like, how was it communicated to you? And then were you able to speak to him after, just before he left the country? Yeah, so so it was um, so we played the first game and, and I was after being in isolation for 10 days and I just got out of isolation. So they had played a game, I think, the, the couple of days before and they got beat. And I hadn't trained. I was in isolation. I couldn't train with the team. Um, so I think I trained the day before the game and then I got me clearance that we could play we could play in the game and I went along to the game and, and um, there was a VAR decision and we got a penalty against us and we got 2-1 down we were losing the game we had same thing again we had a few players out with COVID and stuff and we ended up losing that game I came on Mick said look can you come on can you give me 10-15 minutes like I, I, need, I need something like I said yeah I said of course like you know what I mean probably wasn't ready to play, probably shouldn't have played, but I did, I played, I came on and um, we ended up, we still got beat, we got beat 2-1. Um, we got back to the house. Um, I was staying with Joe Garner at the time, the other English lad that just came over and he rang us Mick um, on the way back and just said, lad, sorry, that's me done. <laughs> we were sitting in the house saying, what, what do you mean that's you done, you know? But um, look, that's football and that's just one of those things. They just, they had a bit of an argument after the game and, the president over there, he's, you know, he just he makes a decision and, and, and that's it. You just stick by it. And, you know, we obviously, uh, um, he, 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 he let Mick go. But I think Mick and Terry have won their, won their car case, I think, with their stuff. So that's all sorted now. So I'm sure Mick is, is, is happy to put that, put that behind them, you know. What was your sense of how Mick was doing out there and how he was relating to the... Local lads. I mean, was it was he? Did he find it difficult in in your eyes from from your perspective? Yeah, well, well, I was pretty close to some of the players in the end. Like you know, I got I got pretty pretty friendly with a good couple of the lads, and they all really like Mick. You know, they all really like Terry. Um, which most people do who who play for him. You know, they they do love them. They 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 do give it all, and and um, I'm sure most people that play for Mick or Terry would say that they'd run through a brick wall for them. So, you now the lads really like them, and and um. You know, I, looking at results, they obviously didn't start the season well, and then they picked up a, a couple of results as as um, I was going over there. But 
the deal was kind of too far done that when they started losing one or two games, you were you were thinking like they're offering me a two and a half year deal, they're offering Joe a two year deal, and um, the other English lad going over. So yeah, he, he wanted to get. They were in for a couple of uh, another few English lads, um, which I knew from from the championship and, and league one. So I knew he wanted to get some of his own players in um, and try and build a, a squad with his own players. And I think that was the reason why they gave him the job as well, because they knew he had a bit of pull and he could get some players over there to, to try and help them. Um, and then, you, you know, at, at that time when they started losing a couple of games, and it's too, the deals are kind of too far gone that you're, you're kind of thinking about pulling out, you know, and... and um, Look, it was it was unfortunate what happened, but when a club offers you a two and a half year contract and, and you're going over there with the coach and and the club obviously, you know, giving you a big spiel about coming over and you know the manager really well, you're kinda of thinking I'm at least gonna get a couple of games here under under Mick so we can first of all show what I can do and and uh, try and help him and first of all if he gets his own players in, you're thinking, you know, um, hopefully they're they're thinking in their head, well they have to sign a couple of players, so we'll give them we're obviously giving, thinking about leaving them in the job, you know. You're not thinking that someone's going to get sacked if, if they're if the board are giving them a budget to go and sign, you know, three or four players at that stage, which, which they did, you know. So it was just a bit, it was a bit, um, <laughs> it was a bit of a strange situation. But look, that's football, and that's these things happen, you know. And then the next man who came in was Savas Persaitidis, so he's the replacement for Mick. Um, how did you find him? Because I know you said he gave you assurances initially uh, before the injury happened, but um, was he communicative with yourself? He was fine. He was fine. Like, you know, it was, uh, he was, <laughs> look, he, he didn't last too long, you know. He got he got sacked after the first game of the season. They got beat, I think, 4-0 at Paphos, and he, he got sacked. So he knew the job he was in. He needed results, you know, and he was, I was obviously seeing the way the club was going, and and I needed, I kind of needed to get a keyhole surgery on on um, on an issue that I had. So, you know, it was it was a time in February where, um, you know, I knew it wasn't going to be the club wasn't going to be in Europe. The club actually pulled me and said, "Look, I think this is a good chance to go and get, you know, the operation done and and uh, come back in the season, um, come back for pre-season, and uh, we'll go from there." Like, but. You know, the manager didn't really have that much of a say, more or less coach the team, you know, and, and the board kind of looked after everything else. But the manager had his, his his hands tied, like, you know, there was there was lads in the team that were old, were old wages, um, you know, most of the team were old wages. We're not talking about, like, one month, two months, we're talking about three, four months. So, like, um, he's having to deal with all that and coach the team and, and kind of put it onto the board and, having board meetings all the time and stuff. So he had a tough job, but he was fine. Like, he was no problem. Like, you know, he was, uh, he, again, he had a different set of boys and it was good for me to be there and and, um, and see how, you know, Greek Cypriot coaches like to, like to play as well. So, um, yeah, it was okay. Like, you know, I, I, I couldn't say I didn't, didn't enjoy it. Like, you know, I did enjoy working under him, but at the same time, he didn't, he didn't last too long. So even if I had been there for the start of the season, we had a, get a new manager after one game anyways, you know. Yeah, and the back injury came at probably the worst time in terms of the international stuff because it was just before March and obviously Stephen Kenny had been very supportive of your move so there was a good chance he would have been uh, called in for it. Uh, in regard to kind of watching Ireland from afar, obviously March wasn't the, the best month for the squad but it, things have improved drastically since then. But what have you made of how Ireland have, have gone and how it's progressed and improved and I suppose uh, like with, in a very pressurised situation? 
Yeah, no, I think the the, the crowds coming back have certainly helped, and they always will with with an Irish team. If you're going into the Aviva with you know forty five, fifty thousand Irish fans, you know, backing you, you're gonna have a better chance than when it's a, when it's an empty stadium. But I just think it took a, a little bit of time for the players to to understand what way he wants to play. It's like everything, isn't it? And and um, you can see now that the players are starting to trust it and starting to believe in it. And you have, you know, the likes of... Because Shane is massive for, for us, like, and for him coming back to form now and and um, and uh, and doing well. And you can get him back into the team. And, you know, that's that's certainly going to help any other side over the last 10, 15 years because he's a, he's, a, he's a top defender. Um, and, you know, the lads just look like... They look like they're enjoying it, and they look like they know what they they want from from the manager and the coach and staff. And you know that they're, they're brilliant. They're, they're great people, and and um, you know Keith Andrews, um, Steve, and really really good people. Um, obviously Anthony Barry's in there now. We work with Anthony at um, at Wigan, so I, I know Anthony a little bit, and you know that they're, they're good people, and I'm sure that the players feed off that as well you know and, and they want to do well and you can see the last couple of results that the way they're trying to play that it seems to be coming together quite nicely at the moment yeah especially with this back three and I was kind of wondering like how like when you're watching when you're watching the games from afar like how do you see yourself fitting into especially when it's 3-4-3 three, three, or 3-5-2 three, as opposed to 3-4-3 three, three. you've the kind of Josh Cullen position you've uh um, you've where Jeff the kind of box to box role Jeff Hendrick has, and then there's the kind of attacking midfield one. And I was wondering which one, when you're watching it from afar, you kind of prefer. Uh, any of them, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> as long as you get in the team. Yeah, yeah as, long as, you, as long as you get in the pitch. Now, look, it's 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 too far. It's too far away at the moment for me to be to be thinking about all that stuff again. You know, I haven't played football at, at that level in 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 a while. I haven't I haven't you know put in performances to to merit being called up to that squad yet at the moment. My my focus is to is to try and get back to the level I was at, you know, obviously before they went over to Applewell and, you know, a little bit of luck and a bit of hard work, I think I will be able to do that. And then, you know, you can you can have a conversation. But Stephen's been great with me. I've been in contact with Stephen and uh, you know he didn't have to do that as well. You know, Stephen he, he could have he could have you know was out injured and and, and not available and obviously going through some legal stuff over there. But well, he could have just you know not not picked up the phone and spoke to me, but he did and and uh, had some positive conversations and he was he was always helpful to me. So look, I'm sure that's that's Stephen's headache if if it ever comes to it. You know where he thinks I should play, but um, yeah, look, once you're on the pitch, you don't really mind. I'd, I'd, I'd like to think that. You know, I could I could offer something if we if we get back to my best. Yeah, of course. Interesting the way you say it took time to adjust to Kenny's methods. What was the atmosphere within the squad during that twenty twenty uh, Nations League campaign? Was there any sort of panic or dissent or no? No, there was, no, never. There was, there's never really there's never really a, a, a downbeat or squad. Anyways, you know, they're always together, always always um, wanting to fight for. The manager wanting to fight for themselves and wanting to fight for their families and, and, and their country, you know. And that's every squad I was in, whether you were the the twenty fifth man you weren't on the on the team sheet or, you know, you were you were the starting eleven. Everybody just wanted to do well because, you know, you, you can't forget that players are fans as well. And and if they're not playing, they they still want the country to win. So there was always um, there was always a good good atmosphere around the camp and. Of course, it would take a little bit of time to, to adjust, and you know, players being asked to play certain certain ways and take the ball in positions that maybe they might not have been used to before. 
And um, but I think the players are, are, are quite enjoying it, and, and you know they look like they're enjoying it, anyways. And from from speaking to them, they're they're, they're confident that it's um it's coming good. And you know the the move from the from the camps that I was always in was always pretty positive, and the training sessions were always really good. And, um. Yeah, it was it was always good, and you could always see what he was what he was trying to build, and and now it's just it looks like it's coming um coming 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 good really. There was a consensus, of course, for years that you couldn't develop a style with a team. There was wasn't enough time at international level, but I suppose what's been proved in the last years there is if you do it continually over a year and are patient with it. Yeah, of course. Um, I think I think it just it just comes down to. To players trusting trusting the way that the, the manager wants to play and, and manager trusting his own um you know ideas and his own philosophy and the way he wants to play and not changing for certain games and trusting the players also you know um you know we do have good players and we can play that way and I think we've seen in the last couple of games that we can play that way so it is important that we uh, we keep going that way and we we try to develop players in that way. Because I've been in countries, you know, I've been in Holland, I've been in been in the UK, I've been in Cyprus, and you know, a lot of it is you know playing out from the back, and 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 that's the way they want to play and developing um, players in that way. So, look, I think we can certainly do it here, and um, there's no reason why we um why, why we shouldn't strive to 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 be as good as you know the likes of the Dutch and and all them playing out from the back. There's no reason why we can't do it. Yeah, as you mentioned, all the places you've been, um, obviously the Netherlands, and then if we go back to Cyprus a little bit, obviously with the injury, um, was it is it kind of difficult when you're not able to get onto the pitch when you're abroad, I suppose, away from what would be your normal comfort zone in terms of you just love to be in training with the lads, but obviously you can't. Yeah, but, you know, it is difficult. Of course, you miss it and you want to play, and it was, but it was fortunate enough that up until that point, I'd, I'd never missed a game, you know, so um, I was always fit, always available. So, you know, you have to take that. That was, you know, going back 10 years when I first started out at Man City's on that 15. So, you know, you, you get a little injury and you're out for a couple of months and of course you want to play and of course it's disappointing because you've only just gone over there, you want to hit the ground running, you want to show people what you can do in new place, new environment. But, you know, these things happen and, and um, I was still going in every day. I was still I was busy. I was doing my rehab. The first month was difficult, obviously, because after the surgery, you can't really do much. Um, but after that, you know, I was cracking on. I got to know the physios, everyone, you know, around the place really well. So it wasn't all doom and gloom, you know. It was, uh, it's just another challenge and another thing that you have to overcome in, in, in football and life. And, and that's just the way it is. Of course, you want to be playing. You want to be scoring the winner every week. But, you know, most of the time in professional football, that's that's not how it goes. You know, it's ups and downs and sideways and backwards and you know, that's the way it is. But you just uh, you just have to crack on with it and you know, get on with it as best you can. You touched on um, your early days at Man City. I suppose um, it's you may have noticed your route to sort of professional football has been closed off, I suppose, for Irish players now post Brexit. And there's been a lot of emphasis on trying to switch to a more homegrown system. I mean, I think Ireland beat the Ireland under 17s beat Andorra 5 0 in Turner's Cross a couple of months ago. And there was a lot made of the fact that there was no English based player in the team. What, uh, what is your view of that development? Do you think it's going to be positive or is it going to cause problems? Yeah, I don't see the, I don't see the issue of having of English based players in the team as well, because if they have 
you know, if they have a right to play with Ireland, they have more, they have just as much as a, a right to play for for Ireland as somebody living in Dublin, you know what I mean? Or living here, if that's what they want to do, if they show a commitment to, to playing for Ireland, then that's fine, you know, we don't see, it's just about getting as many, as many, you know, good players as we can, young players and stuff, but, you know, we think, will it hamper some of the, the, the top young players not being able to go over to a, a Man City or a, or a Tottenham or a um, or a Liverpool, we don't know yet because we haven't seen how how it will um, how it will play out, you know, in, in in the early stages of people's career. Um, but you know, I think it will certainly help the League of Ireland and it'll certainly help the clubs around here. But you, you don't want to the the structure back here needs to be good enough for them to stay. You know, when I was going away, when I was when I was a kid. There was nothing here for me to stay, you know. If I if I stayed here past 15, 16, what was I staying for? You know, what what why was it why was I gonna stay here? Um there was no Shamrock Rovers Academy, there was no, you know, Bowes, Kevins weren't linked. Um they obviously are now, but the standard needs to be that the, the top players are getting the chances that, you know, they, they they deserve and they can't be going out and playing against um, you know, Cabin Teeley every week. Evan Ferguson can't go out and play against Cameron Daly every week and score 10 goals if he's still in Ireland, you know. He needs to be playing against the uh, Man, Man City's under 23s or, you know, he, he needs to be doing that. Obviously, he's the most recent one going away and doing really well. So, um, the structure needs to be in place so that if the, if the players do decide to play here, that they either go into the League of Ireland, they make the League of Ireland teams better, they make them stronger and they're ready to play or they play, you know, under 19 football that's competitive and, and uh, worth a while staying here. Because if not, then it's 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 a waste if the, it's a, it's a waste of time for them not going to get development that they uh, they need and the top players deserve in this country. If they're not going to get that here, then it's a shame that they can't go away. You know, so there needs to be a, a structure put in place and a, and a platform here for them to really kick on and and uh, and show the best of their abilities while they're here. Um. If that's the case, whether that's in the League of Ireland or, or some of them might physically not be ready to play in the League of Ireland if they're playing their own age groups on their edge. And do you think there's a different attitude among young players now to the league than when you were starting out, given that the league seems to be coming along? Yeah, I think so. We think, you know, the young young kids now that would look at Shamrock Rovers and, and, and Bowemiums as places that they actually want to go and play their football and they, they know the players there. Um, when we was going up to to watch Shells and you know obviously Wes Hillahan all them lads were playing there did I want to play for Shells now we still wanted to go to England but you see a, a, a lot more of the younger lads now that actually do want to you know make that breakthrough and play in, in for a Rovers or play for a Bohemian say because they're going to the games and, and there's a lot of younger crowds going to the games and I think that um, I think that helps you know um, but it's um, it's it'll, it'll just depend how it goes now over the, the next the next couple of seasons because you know you see the young players that do do well um the likes of Ross Tierney and I think John 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 Kenny was um was over at the Hibs game there the weekend so you see a lot of them will move on you know so it's um it's good to it to a certain extent that they they do play here and there is a lot of younger lads here but you know we need to get a structure in place that we can keep the best players here. And, you know that's what we will have to do if if the top clubs want to be want to be trying to play in, in in Europe every season. You don't want to be losing, you know your 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 best players every year, and you don't want to be using your your, your best young players. 
Um, you want to be you want to be trying to keep them, but that has to be something here that they they want to stay for, you know. Yeah, and do you think it might open the doors for the under 18s kind of age group as well to go and do what you've done, and also another Irishman who played for Applewell, like Hillian Sheridan, who's gone all across Europe and has had a really good career by doing that. Do you think that's another thing that might it might just open that pathway and open that doorway? Yeah, well, it's not just England or, or, or Scotland, and that's the that's the be all and end all. You know, it's my game probably do suit um, certain managers and certain styles, and and that might not be that might not be England. There might be um, a certain manager in England that I, I, I suit, but you know, I, I I think there's doors out there for for people. You just have to try and open them, and you have to try and you know. Um, but is that what the kids want to do? You know, is that the advice that the the kids are getting, and and are the kids brave enough to do that? I don't know. I was I was brave enough to do it. I went away at nineteen to Holland. You know, it was a it was a big step, but you know, I loved it. I played, you know, a lot of games and 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 done quite well, and and uh, you know, I, I I loved it, and it was a great experience for me. So it's just it just depends on the person, depends on the kid, depends on the opportunity that comes available to them as well, you know, and uh, and what one they want to take and, and, and the advice they're getting as well, you know, because at the end of the day, a lot of the money is in England and, and a lot of people's agents will, will, uh, will push them towards that. But, um, you know, we think if they if, if they do branch out, I don't think it'll be a, a bad thing if they if they do want to go across Europe, it'll certainly, certainly improve them in other ways. Yeah, especially since there are a load of huge clubs over there. I mean, Applewell in a Cypriot context is absolutely massive over there. I think it'd probably be the equivalent of a United or a Liverpool yeah. uh, in Cyprus. I mean, did you get a real sense of that while you were there in terms of like, when you into the streets and everything else, just just how huge it is and how much interest they have? Yeah, it is. And, and you know, I, I knew that going over before because I obviously seen, I was, you know, you, you start researching the club and, and, and all that and you see what goes with it. And, um, you know they were they were a massive club. You couldn't lose over there. They didn't accept losing. You know they 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 were meant to win every single game, and you know they're obviously huge budget. Um, you know spending a lot of money, investing a lot into the team. So, um, you know the fans expect them to win, and the fans want them to win. The fans expect them to be in Europe. You know, um, so look at a team like that in, in Cyprus, and you know they always have three, four, five teams always in. In the round, you know, uh, the Europa League and, and the Champions League playoffs, and um, always doing well. So if a country like that can do, you know, we we can certainly do it here, and we can certainly have an Applewell in in, in Ireland, one hundred percent. And you know, it just takes a little bit of working together, a bit of investment, and a bit of um, a bit of push. Yeah, and and sorry, how does and um, how passionate do they get? Obviously, they weren't in the stadiums because of the whole COVID thing, but um, I'm sure they're uh, like just away from yeah. the stadium, it could get a bit heated. Yeah, well, they. Yeah, well, they like they they would smash the training ground up, like you know, it's happened a couple of times there. Like happened once when we were over there that the training ground was smashed up and we lost, we lost a game, and you know they they, they coming to the training ground with flares and having meetings on the pitch, the ultras with the with the manager and the team, and the, you know that's just the way it is over there. It's it's uh, it's it's mad, but. You know, it was good actually looking at it because you're thinking, you know, these people are putting their lives into supporting this club and. Um, you know, it's that be all and end all. Like you know, it's it's happy well or nothing over there for 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 the for the ones that that live in the Casillas. So um, look, it was a good it was a good experience, good to see. You know, because um, you know, it's not like that here. You can appreciate that when they've gone, I suppose. Can you from the training? Yeah, you can you, you can appreciate that when you're when, when you're out there and you're on the you're you're on the flight safely home. <laughs> 
Now that you're back, I mean, what um, I suppose Shamrock Rovers, you had two great seasons there in 1920. <laughs> I mean, is the primary aim Europe for next year, obviously, or, or another invincible season, perhaps? This, you know, a full invincible yeah. season. Well, you know, um, I think it's just trying to do as well as we can. I think if, if it's Europe, it's Europe. That's great. You know what I mean? If it's, if it's win the league, that's great. If it's win a cup, that's great. It's just trying to squeeze the best out of the squad and and um, and trying to do as as well as we can. But obviously, I think you know everyone at the club would would, would love to get into Europe. All the players would. Me, I would. I haven't played in Europe yet, so um, you know, obviously, that's a, it's always a big factor for any League of Ireland club really at the start of the season. If you can, if you can have a little run in Europe and and, and do well and. You know, I think I think we have the the capabilities to do well. It's just about what all coming together, and hopefully we don't get AC Milan again. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna. What was what was it like playing against them? Because you you had, a, you had a very good game in that game, particularly the. Yeah, it was brilliant. There, uh, you know, it's 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 a good experience, and obviously playing against players that we played with, and, uh, Man City like Brian, Brahim Diaz, playing against him, and you know, know them, and, and it's good. Like you know, it's 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 an interesting experience, and. You know, uh, it's just it's difficult, obviously, to beat them or to take them on, especially when there's there's no one in the stadium. But it would have been a great occasion for the fans, and you know, if there was people there. But look, touch wood that you know they can be there next year, and we can we can hopefully get them in the group stage. Yeah, was there much uh, behind? You know, before the Rovers um, move was confirmed, um, there was talk about Charlotte FC and the MLS. That it was just in the papers at the time, and uh, I think it was especially Christian Latanzio, the the coach. I think he would have worked with at City. Was there was there any discussion there, or was that just uh, paper talk, as one would describe it? No, it was like I know Christian. I've been in contact with Christian loads, like you know, since I since I left since I left Man City. So. Um, He's a he's a he's a good friend and and um, you know he's obviously working over there and um, it, they're a new franchise and and they've just been set up so look maybe maybe the timing wasn't wasn't great on that one and you know who knows someday maybe it'll come around again and um, but you know he's always been a great help to me in my career and himself and 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 Patrick were obviously me me manager for you know a big part of me development and a big push behind me going to to Holland that time so. You know, he knows the type of player I am. He knows, you know, the environment that we, we, we would do well in. Um, very complimentary to Stephen, the way Stephen's teams play, uh, Stephen Bradley. So, um, you know, it's it's a conversation that could come up again um, maybe in the future. But, you know, I, I hope he does well out there. And you know, obviously had a couple of offers. I'm, I'm not going to say which, but, you know, I think just at this moment in time, I, I see myself just playing here I, I love the club I love Shamrock Rovers I love the coaching staff there I love the players when I was there I love the, the feeling I got when I was there so I just want a bit more of that back and, and, and try and kick on and it's probably a benefit that people kind of forget as well because especially you've been like when you go over to City and then you go to Netherlands Cyprus you're away from family friends the people you've kind of grown up with and then there's that kind of privilege of actually being there with them around you like seven days a week yeah, no, it is. It's it's brilliant. Like, but you know, football, like it's just life moves on. You know, you're not you're not eighteen, and you and you want to be at home every day, and you want to be sitting on, you know what I mean? You're homesick or anything like that. I wasn't homesick when I left Cyprus. It wasn't anything like that. It was just a football decision and something that I wanted to do, where I really enjoyed me football. Of course, I'm happy. I'm happy at home, but 
you know, we finished training at 12, 1 o'clock every day. And, you know, we would not see my friends from one end of the week to the next. And, you know, we obviously see our family and, and all that. But, you know, most of the time, people are working. People are working until 5 o'clock, 6 o'clock. We, we've got the, the luxury that we finish a little bit earlier. So most of the time, you're just at home anyways. And, and you're just, you know, trying to trying to relax and prepare for games. So, but obviously, it is good to be at home, and, and and you know it's nice to be back in Dublin because I'm familiar with the place and I know the place. But you know, uh, it wasn't the main reason why I, why I wanted to come home. It was more the, the footballing reason. Yeah, and it wasn't for the weather either. Obviously, I, would, <laughs> I can't imagine. But, uh, but yeah, before I suppose before we let you go, um, of course, Sergio Aguero um, has just announced his retirement just to uh, due to a heart issue, and you would have been in the youth teams when he was uh, when he was playing first team for the long. 10 years he was there um, at City like would you have interacted much with him or even like trained alongside him and what are the kind of memories that jump out about him yeah no he was always he was always very good to us whenever we went up training um, he was always a gentleman didn't speak a lot of English just one liners a few few, few funny words here and there um, he was a good 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 pro like you know he used to he used to train well Um and look, it's just obviously disappointing what's happened. He, he, I, I can't say, you know, nothing but good things about him from whenever I've been around him. Um, so look, I just, I, I just like to, you know, wish him well and and and, and hope he's uh, he's not too sick, you know, because it, it, it didn't look good. Um, obviously having to retire with, I think it's it's hard problems. So look, when we when we used to play, um, we used to play games and stuff. He's probably one of the best finishers I've ever seen. You know, he was. Uh, he was a joke, like he was a, he was an unbelievable footballer. And you know, even if you finished training, he'd, he'd always let you join in the shoot and any of that, any of that stuff, you know. And a lot of them wouldn't let the young lads join in, but he'd always say, No, no, come get a ball, join in. So, you know, all that was good. So, uh, you know, I hope, I hope, I hope he's, um, I hope he's okay for us and promise. Yeah, definitely. And one, yeah, as you said, one of the best finishers uh, the Premier League has ever seen, and just I suppose La Liga and wherever and all like wherever he's yeah. played internationally as well but uh, Jack look thanks a million for taking the time looking forward to seeing you back in the League of Ireland in 2022 cheers and, lads uh, following how you do with Shamrock Rovers and then hopefully back with Ireland as well so thanks for taking cheers. the time cheers fingers crossed thanks very much lads so, alright that was Jack Byrne um, good chat there uh, Connor Neville I think that's us uh, done for this week on the RT Soccer it Podcast to be it. yeah things to be done from yeah, the, so, yeah, we'll from be, the youth uh, team here yeah yeah uh, well, that's uh, that, if that's how we're being described now. But anyway, yeah, we'll be uh, back next week. You can uh, follow the podcast on at RT Soccer on Twitter or also on the RT Sport Facebook page. But uh, that's it for this week. Best of luck.